Well, good morning. Oh, what a wonderful time to gather together today to enjoy being in the Lord's house together, uh, even if the house of God happens to be in your living room. We're just glad to be together, even when we can't be together, together. Thank you for being here this morning. As you're turning in your Bible to 2 Corinthians yet again, let's take a moment and be reminded about something very special about this weekend. This is Memorial Day weekend. And this is a time that is set aside for us to remember and honor those who have given their final full measure of devotion for our country. We are free to worship today. We are free in our nation because of the incredible gift so many has given. Those who have died defending our country, these are the ones we remember today. We honor them. And in the protecting of our freedoms, even still, we say to them, your sacrifice is not in vain. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for all of those fallen heroes, some who have found themselves even protecting their dear friends as well as our freedoms. Today we honor them. We thank you for those heroes. And we thank you for their spirit that continues to live in those brave men and women who defend our shores and the virtues of our country all the way around the world. Bless them as well, Lord. We pray for the families of those of these honored dead that indeed, Lord, you would give them a special blessing of your presence today. May they know that their sacrifice does not go unnoticed as well. Bless them, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Turn, if you will, in John uh, chapter 16, if you will, uh, as we finish up the 16th chapter. Now, we've been looking at this upper room discourse that started in the 13th chapter of John, and it's the things that Jesus said and did that last night that he was here on earth after uh, the 17th chapter, when his great prayer, he will go to the garden. There in the garden is where he's arrested. Then he's taken for the mockery of a trial and for the beating and the crucifixion. All of that. He knows this is coming. He knows this is coming. And because he knows this, he's taking this last night to pour into his disciples, to lean into them with truth and assurance of what is to come. We pick up as he closes out tonight this, this spoken teaching time. And we'll pick up next week as Jesus begins to pray. As he prays for himself. As he prays for those that are gathered around him. And as he prays even for us. We'll see that in a little later. But at this point, he's drawing together his teachings. And getting ready to move into prayer. So we're going to begin reading in John chapter 16 with verse 25. If you'll find that, please. We're going to start reading in verse 25. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will pray the Father for you. 
For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world to go to the Father. And then the disciples said to Him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figures of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you again for so anointing the Apostle John that he got to be a part of this evening and that you so wonderfully equipped him to take careful records of all the things that Jesus said and did on this night. To where now we have them, that we can experience them as the living Word of God today. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts. Bring your Word to bear in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's often been said of speakers and some preachers that we're very much like Christopher Columbus. When he started out, he didn't know really where he was going. When he got there, he really wasn't sure where he was. And when he returned, he wasn't exactly sure where he'd been. It's important for speakers to know where they're going. And I want you to know, in all of the things Jesus said and did, he always knew exactly where he was going. He always knew exactly what he wanted to communicate. Sometimes he made that communication in some veiled and figurative form. He, he would teach in a story called a parable. Or he would utter some dark sayings or whatever. And others might not totally have understood what he was saying and where he was going. But he knew exactly where he was going, and exactly what he was saying. Many times the disciples would either say, hey, we don't understand, or Jesus would know in his heart that they didn't understand. And then he'd pull them aside, and he would explain to them the words that he had said so they could fully understand. That's background to move us into where we are here tonight. Never was it any truer to say that what is written in John 7, 46 Never did a man speak this, like this man speaks. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke with clarity. Except when he felt like he needed to speak veiled and figurative. Now, this figurative speaking from time to time frustrated the disciples. And we just finished last week. Derek came uh, to us and brought exactly one of those times. Jesus said, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then in a little while, you'll see me again. And the disciples were, what? He said this 
twice <laughs> and then reiterated it a third time. And so then he had to make it clear what it was he was saying. That's just an example of Jesus speaking in figurative terms and then how he will clarify. So what we're dealing with uh, today is where Jesus begins to clarify even a bit more. Jesus knew that they were, they were inquiring in their hearts. What did Jesus mean by this? And so here he completes his answer to their unspoken desire for clarity by using what I'd like to call plain talk. Plain talk. In your notes, you'll see that phrase several times. So just put your notes, have them down there beside your Bible as we begin. Here in verse 25, you have Jesus plain talk about plain talk. He explains his figure, use of figurative language and explains that he's going to speak very clearly to them, specifically through Holy Spirit. During the course of his ministry, Jesus taught oftentimes with parables. Now, parables were figurative stories. Many times, most of the times, that really was based off of some material, practical, physical uh, uh, implement or uh, the sower going forth to seed. It would be based on something very much of this world, but he'd be teaching something symbolically, figurative, of the world to come or a deeper truth, deeper spiritual truth. Those are parables. And parables usually have one uh, specific message, sometimes two, but, but not meant to be you know, a full-blown doctrine all by themselves. They're teaching stories. But then Jesus also used what's called figurative speech. We would maybe translate that or understand that by a proverb. A proverb may be a wise saying, and it may be so wise it's hard to understand what it means or to see where the application really was. And so when Jesus was talking about, uh, in a little while you're not going to see me, a little while longer you will see me, he was using this figurative language. And the disciples were exhibiting their frustration in the process. So what Jesus is saying here is the time is coming, the hour is coming, I'll no longer veil anything I have to tell you. I am going to tell you plainly about what's going on in that hour. Now we have to ask, well, what, what, what is that hour that Jesus was talking about? Uh, was it like the, uh, uh, the last hour, uh, uh, meaning the end of times, eschatology? Was he talking about in his second coming? Uh, was he talking about uh, after the gift of Holy Spirit at Pentecost? Uh, was he talking about after the resurrection? There are theories that abound with all of these and other explanations, but I think it's abundantly clear because this chapter is talking about Holy Spirit and who he is and what he's doing. Holy Spirit will speak plainly the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ because his words come from the Father. These three are one, and Holy Spirit will speak what has been revealed to him, shared with him, given to him by the Father and the Son in the same way that Jesus spoke only what was given him by the Father. He, that's the time that's coming. You know, Jesus said this, there are many more things that I want to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He didn't mean that they would make you too sad. He meant you don't have the faculty to understand them. Did you know that the plain gospel that you understand as a believer right now is veiled to those 
who don't believe. The scripture teaches that. Paul, Paul takes this very clear. He's saying that the spiritual things can only be spiritually discerned. And that spiritual discerner is Holy Spirit. So when you and I respond to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, when we give our lives to him, when he cleanses us of our sins, and he comes to live within us in his Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit then begins to reveal to us the plainness of the Word of God. I don't know about you, but before I came to faith in Christ, a time or two I would try to read parts of the Bible. I'd just get confused. It, it, it made no sense to me. But as I came to faith in Christ, suddenly more and more each time I would read the Scriptures, and especially as I would hear them taught and explained by my pastor and my Sunday school teachers and such, it was like the veil over my eyes was more and more being separated. I say, oh, I see. And then I began to be able to see and understand by myself because Holy Spirit was living within me and interpreting the Word of God to me. So Jesus is saying, okay, the plain talk about plain talk is as I come to you in Holy Spirit, as my Spirit comes within you, there will be no need for veiled conversation, only clear, plain talk. He says uh, in 16, chapter 16, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So Jesus promises to speak plainly to us in and through his Holy Spirit. Plain talk about plain talk. Secondly, you see plain talk about prayer. Whew, good stuff here. Hold on tight. Buckle your seatbelt there on the couch where you are. This is some tremendous truth. Verse 26. In that day... You will ask in my name. Now underline that. That's the first thing we're going to talk about. And then, and I do not say, look at that. I do not say to you that I will request the Father on your behalf. Two great truths here. First of all, uh, in, in this day when Holy Spirit so illuminates our heart, we will then talk to the Father and we will pray in Jesus' name. Now let me tell you what that's not. That's not a magical incantation. It's not like putting together all of our requests and now say, Abracadabra. No, that's not what Jesus' name is. And it's not meant to legalistically apply to our series of requests. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray out of our abiding in who He is. To pray with His authority, something that is His will and His desire. It's taking, it's taking to the throne of God something that Jesus has already stamped because it's what He would want, what He would Himself beseech from the Father. This is, is powerful. So don't, don't think about praying in Jesus' name as if it's some magical incantation as if some legalism that you just have to touch on to the very end of your prayer, somehow God won't hear you or God won't answer it. No. It's affirming to yourself and to God. Now, what I've brought before you, Lord, even if it's the agony of my heart, it's born out of my abiding with the Lord Jesus Christ. My will being surrendered to His will. 
And it's almost like saying, Father, this is our request. This is our will. Mine and Jesus. We bring this request to you. Do you see the power of that? The potency of that? Do you see the responsibility of that? You have to be mindful of praying. So the first thing he says is, you're going to pray in my name. But look at the second thing right here. This prayer will not be to Jesus for him to act as an intermediary. And like we whisper in Jesus' ear what it is we want, and then he whispers into the ear of the Father what Fred wants. No. It, it says here, incredible, I will not be your intermediary here. Now, there's a reason why that. We can get to that in the next verse. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to say that it doesn't contradict what Jesus has already said when he says, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you the other help or whatever. It doesn't contradict that. Uh, nor does it, it, it deny that Jesus is there as our intercessor. Indeed, he is. It's saying something incredibly more. It says, when I ask in Jesus' name, I'm asking directly to the Father and carrying with that the full weight of who I am in the Son, in Christ. Many of you know that I was adopted. My uh, biological father uh, left my mom uh, when I was about 18 months old. And uh, when I was around four years old, sometimes in that, in that fourth year, uh, mom married my stepfather, Dwight Lodge. He adopted me a, a year later. But I remember after the wedding um, and after a, a week or two, we went to South Georgia to meet all of dad's family. Now, he had a huge family. His mom and dad were both alive at the time, and uh, brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles all over the place. And never met any of them. And I was, I was young, and I was shy like a lot of little boys are. And so when we got there and walked into the old house near the, near the fireplace, there was this old man sitting in a rocking chair. And my stepfather, dad, I call him my daddy, dad said to his dad, Pop, I want you to meet my stepson, Freddie. And so this old man held out his arms. I went over there and I crawled up in his lap. And he looked at me and he said, You are my grandson. Now, I wasn't the only grandson he had. He had a slew of them, okay? But he looked at me and he said, You are my grandson. Now, how is that possible? I didn't know this man. How, how is this possible? I had no blood relationship with this man. The relationship I had with him was through my stepfather. Because I belong to my stepfather, I belong to grandpa. And he became my pop too. See, it was the relationship. <coughs> it's the relationship here. Jesus is saying, because of me, you have direct access to my Father as your Father. You don't 
You don't have to pray through me like you need an intermediary. You have direct access to the throne of the Father God. That's plain talk. Plain talk about prayer. But it's hinged to the next verse. And this is plain talk about the Father. Plain talk about God the Father. Let's continue to read where he says in 25, then also in verse 27. But we'll tell you plainly of the Father. For the Father himself loves you. Will you pause there just for a moment? Christ the Son. Second person of the Trinity. My Savior and yours. Speaking to you. And he says, the Father himself loves you. I want you to camp out there for a minute. There's this strange non-biblical theology that's out here. That has the idea that that God the Father is a God of of judgment and and wrath and and angry up there. and, And God the Son, Jesus Christ, He comes in and in His grace and in His mercy and oh, come here and I love you and everything. And, and the mean old daddy up there, he, He's got to punish you, but, but I love you here. Get behind me. Go ahead. Pun- punish me, daddy. And wham! The angry God just un- uh, unloads on Christ the Son. That's blasphemy. Now God is a God of justice. And he has a wrath to pour out upon sin. And Christ is our intermediary. But God is God is God. God is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, three in one. God is one. And God is a God of love. Yes, that love demands justice. And yes, love also involves wrath. But don't you divide the Godhead and make God the Father the mean old man and Christ somehow dressed in white and being good and everything. That's not scripturally true. It's not that. Look, it says, the Father Himself loves you. Why? Upon what basis? What we'll read on. Because, there's the basis, because you have loved me, And you have believed that I have originated from, I have come forth from the Father. God turns His incredible love towards us because of relationship. God the Son, God the Father, intimately interwoven in a relationship of oneness. And then... Christ in His mercy and grace and because of His death on the cross and His resurrection, He is intimately bound up in a love relationship with those who He's died to save and rose again to give eternal life. But here's what I want you to see. You and I are intimately intertwined in a love relationship with God the Father because of the love of the Son. And not only because of the love we share with God the Son, but because we have put our faith, we believe in who He is. Sent forth, originating from, having come from 
the Father. That just doesn't mean to just come from another city. It means to originate out of. It speaks to the oneness between the Father and the Son. This is, is imperative. I, I want you to grasp something here. To the Jewish mind, to Jewish ears, they could abide somebody talking about God being the Father of all of Israel. They would even say amen to that. That they could abide that. But no one ever, in their wildest imaginations or in their utter insanity, would ever refer to God as being their personal Father. And so when Jesus did that, when he clearly demonstrated and spoke very clearly in word and in work, that he came from, he was one with the Father. Whew, the gloves came off, and the Jews were ready to fight. And the disciples were in utter amazement that here this man would speak in such intimate terms of God as their Father. But then, whew, we're not done yet. <laughs> then Jesus would say, because of your love and your faith in me. He's not simply my father. He's your father too. And that's why he taught us to pray. Our father who art in heaven. Absolutely mind-blowing theological absurdity to the Jewish mind. But oh what intimate truth for us. So the basis upon which God Himself loves us is because of the love that we, that we have for Christ and the fact that we believe that He is who He said He was. Let's go a little further with that and have some plain talk about the deity of Jesus Christ where He came forth from the Father. This, this is imperative to understand. Jesus, again would blow the Jewish mind, and, and even that of the disciples, they were Jews as well, when he said, I and the Father are one. To Philip he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How, how can he ask? Show me the Father. Have you seen me, Philip? Do you not know who I am? I and the Father are one. Our faith is founded on the personhood of Jesus Christ, the deity of who He was, that God became man. John wrote it this way, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is so much a cardinal doctrine of who we are as believers, as who we are as Baptists, as who we are as evangelical Christians, that it has become the line in the sand, the line of demarcation between evangelical Christians and the cults in the United States today. When you press those engaged in the cults, who, what do you think about Jesus? 
Talk to me about the deity of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that He was God Himself in human flesh? Do you believe that God the Son came forth, originated forth from God the Father? That He was the God-man? Many of them will play with terms or re rearrange or whatever or distract you in another direction. Because, you know why? Because they don't. They do not share this cardinal Christian doctrine. And as John would say later in 1 John, they've gone out from us because they were not of us. Did not share in this cardinal truth. Oh, they'll say, well, you know, he was, uh, he was an angel of God. Or he was a human being, but God poured what he could uh, into him. Or he was an ascended master with great wisdom. Or he was a great teacher, or whatever the case may be. Lies! Lies! The Bible tells us in plain talk. Jesus' very own words. I and the Father are one. And here he's talking about how he came forth from the Father. So here's something. Here's the huge thing that happens. The huge things that happen. His disciples said, look at verse 29. His disciples said, now you're speaking plainly. And not using any figure of speech. Look at verse 30. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone questioning you. And here it is. By this, by, by your plain talk, of who you are, by this we believe you came forth from God. That you are of God's essence. That you're one with God. They, this is their doctrinal statement of faith. They said, we believe. You speak plainly. We speak plainly. We believe who you are. Folks, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as the perfect Lamb of God, as God Himself come in human form, living a perfect life, but dying a substitutionary death on the cross, being my substitute when He died on the cross, and rising again in order to give us eternal life. When you dare to believe that, the Word of God says you are saved. You are eternally adopted into the household of faith. And God Himself, God Himself, has a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, His Son. This is faith. It's real faith. Quickly, plain talk about victory. Jesus said, Here are these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Well, now, why was that important? He's talking about all these things that's going to happen. All the rough stuff they're going to go through. And even as he completes this sentence, he's going to be talking about tribulation that's going to come their way in a matter of hours. And he speaks to us. You're going to go through difficult times, tribulation kind of times. But here it is. I give you my peace. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer in tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. You and I will not go through any harsher, more vile persecution and tribulation 
that Jesus Christ endured. Because, see, he became sin for us. And not just my sins, not just the sin of a little six or seven and eight-year-old, but the sins of the whole world. And when you put that faith in him, that's where the victory comes from. So, to pull all this together, he, he would tell them, you're going to face anguish. Anguish like a, a woman in travail of childbirth. Uh, you're going to meet what's going to look like utter defeat when I am taken and I'm crucified. You're going to run because the, the, the proverb says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And indeed they would and they did. But he said, look, don't worry about this. I will vanquish this world and Satan its ruler. You can be of good cheer because your faith, your faith is the victory. Not because you got such big faith, but because your tiny faith, your mustard seed faith is placed in me. You don't weigh the size of faith, folks. You weigh the object of that faith. And the object of that faith is the eternal Son of God. And that's where the victory comes from. Oh, there's an old hymn that I love so much. Maybe you'll be able to say these words with me if you're familiar with them. Encamped upon the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise. And press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. His banner over us is love, our sword, the Word of God. We tread the road the saints above with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they like a whirlwind's breath swept on o'er every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. On every hand the foe we find drawn up in dread away. Let tents of ease be left behind and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head with truth all gird about. The earth shall tremble neath our tread and echo with our shout. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. This is what overcomes the world, John would write. Even our faith. Believers, I want to pray over you that faith today to be absolutely, absolutely surrounded about. Absolutely and utterly with the weapons of your warfare, your armor on. And that you would be like the mighty saints of old. To be able to walk into the fray with this world. Absolutely positive. That you're walking. First in the footsteps of those saints before you. Who are walking in the footsteps of Christ. But for those of you who have not become believers yet. I'm going to pray with you in a moment. That you might exercise the childlike little mustard seed faith. Say, I dare to believe. Lord Jesus, you are who you said you are. You are God in the flesh. 
came to take my sins upon yourself, that you could give me your eternal life. I want to be adopted into your family. I want to be a child of God. We're going to pray together right now. Will you put your heart on the line before God? Let's pray. If you've never come to that place in your life that you've prayed to ask Jesus Christ to cleanse you and forgive you, to be the boss in your life, I want to lead you as you pray right now. Will you join me? Right there where you are in your den, in your chair, on the couch. Right where you are right now. Whether it's in the depths of your heart or whether it's right out of your mouth. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. And I desperately need you as my Savior. I want a brand new start in life. I dare to believe that when you died, you did so to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again, it was so that I might have your life. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Give me a whole brand new start on life. I turn away from doing life my way. I want to do life your way. I want you to be my Lord, my King, my boss, my master. I give my life to you. Father, your word tells us that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over those that have made this decision for Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. We want to rejoice with them too, Lord. Father, for those of us that have already made this decision, we face difficult times just like the disciples did into our difficult world. I pray that You would give us the faith, the faith of the martyrs, the faith of the saints that have gone before us, the faith to stand tall in these dark times. Father, be the backbone that we need. Be the wisdom that we need. Give us the words we need to say. And may ears be listening to us tell our story and share the gospel to a hurting world. Lord, we pray this together. Because this is your will, Lord Jesus. This is your desire. You tell us this in your word. That you want your saints bold and equipped. And you don't want to see anybody perish without you. So we know we're praying in your will. We can pray in your name. We do that. Even now. Amen. Just a moment before you go. Those of you who prayed with me just a moment ago to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Will you do something for me please? Will you call the number that's on the bottom of the screen? Will you get in touch with us and me or one of our other ministers and just say, hey, I, I prayed with the preacher uh, in the sermon on Sunday. Why do we want you to do that? We want to just rejoice with you. We want to share with you some scriptures from God's Word that will encourage you. We want to offer you a wonderful family that you can come and be a part of and grow in. We just want to rejoice with angels. Will you do that for us, please? Folks, thank you for being with us today. We love you so much. And by the way, the 31st, we're going to get to start having worship in person together. Be having a 9 o'clock service, a 1045 service. 
plan on being here with us as you possibly can. Those who've been watching with us online, hey, if you've liked us online, you're going to love us in person. Come and be here with us if you will. Still asking our seniors, those who have most compromised immune systems, please wait a while longer. Our governor has shelter in place orders all the way to the 12th, so wait till Sunday the 14th for you to come be with us well. We're still in the tunnel. But we can see the light at the end of it. God bless you. Love you so much. God bless.